0: Evan. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, up here with me. I have Morgan and Ashley as well on our staff. And, uh, you yeah, know, we're continuing our series called Phantom Hope, where we're discussing the idea that sometimes we believe in almost like a false hope or uh, we hide behind different masks and stuff to kind of cover what we're actually Dealing with, and last week Pastor Nate talked about uh, pain and how oftentimes we run from pain, try to hide the fact that we're in pain and it was a, it was a heavy sermon, and today we're, we're going to get heavy again, and that's not necessarily on purpose. we're not like, hey, let's make everyone depressed two weeks in a row but but the, that, the, the fact of the matter is when you look at hope truthfully. You can't help but to also realize that there are feelings of hopelessness. The whole reason you have hope in those difficult situations is because you feel hopeless at times. Does that make sense? And so today we're going to talk about grief. We're going to talk about how a lot of times we just kind of push through grief rather than actually sitting in it, working through it, allowing uh, God to kind of use grief uh through you for you help it be more of his love and his presence in your life and so uh we actually do want to give a disclaimer right up front that today's going to be a heavy day and one of the topics we're going to cover is suicide and so we just want you to know that if that's a trigger for you, you you you're allowed to get up and leave grab tissues whatever you might need in this moment it's okay um but we wanted to give that um that, that disclaimer right up front. Uh, several weeks ago, back in August, I, I gave a message on uh, healing, but I talked a lot about how I lost my dad uh, about two years ago and, and my frustrations around healing and why he wasn't healed and stuff like that. Um, And and so I'm not going to dive too much into my grief story uh, because I I shared a lot of it back in August. You're welcome to go back and look at it if you want. Um, But I'm going to be talking to these two about their stories of grief. Uh, But to kick it off, why is grief something that we're adding to this Phantom Hope um, uh, series that we're in? And the fact of the matter is grief is super awkward. We don't know how to handle grief. We, we, do, we oftentimes don't know how to respond to grief, how to talk to someone who is grieving. And we kind of just kind of muster up fake words at times. And we just kind of throw out whatever we can, or, or sometimes we just ignore the, the person who's grieving because it's just so hard to, to deal with. I remember um, uh, it was a while back, but I was at this funeral, and uh, the, the pastor given the message. Uh, said, and it really rubbed me the wrong way as I was going through my own grief, that they, they literally said, you know, just as First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 says, do not grieve uh, with uh, as those with no hope. Um, they, they said, so as you look around this room, you're not going to see any sad faces at this funeral. I was just like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't know this person's that well, and I'm kind of sad. Like, what do you mean there's no sad faces here? And that's the phantom hope that we have with grief. It's as if we, we, we've created these fake stages of grief, as if, well, you got to get through one and then two and then three. And it's like even that isn't accurate in today's psychological realm or whatever. That they're realizing that there aren't stages to grief, that if anything, if there is some type of order, it's more cyclical. Like you, you may have a, a, a great day or you may be angry and then depressed and whatever, but it, it kind of just keeps on going. The, the grief is a new relationship that you take on because of the love that you had for that person. So, so let's look at that verse real quick from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Do we have it on the screen? Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You see, this passage, Paul is writing to a church, and he's instructing them, encouraging them on ways to live for God. And the verses just before this, he's talking about how much love this church has for others, And right after talking about love and these instructions on how to live for God, he jumps into grief. That passage could have ended at do not grieve, but it doesn't. That's not the command there. The command is do not grieve without hope. We're a people of hope. Meaning when we grieve, we get to know that there's this other reality happening around us, a spiritual realm that God, Jesus, is in charge of. And we get to have hope within our grief. And so oftentimes this passage gets uh, used against people like, hey, you need to get over it. We're, We're told not to grieve. And that's not what it says In fact, like I said, the the verses before that are all talking about how much love they have for others. And then the very next verse, Paul talks about grief. I don't think that's just a coincidence. I think he knows that as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to have an abundance of love for people around us. We're called to love everyone. The greatest command that there is. And as you love people, guess what? You get to have more grief in your life. The more people you love, the more grief is going to be invited into your life. Because that's what grief is. It's when that loved one is gone from you. So we're not called to not grieve. We're called to have hope within our grief. And so that's what we're going to be diving into today. And I'm going to be talking uh, to these two up here uh, about this fun topic. (laughs) Um, But, hey, there's tissues around the room. There's no shame. You're allowed to say, hey, can you give me a tissue? Whatever you might need in this moment too. Um, So I'm going to ask these two. We needed our own up here. So, so Ashley and Morgan, would you guys just share uh briefly your your grief stories? Why are you up here with me today? Okay. We'll get keep talking okay hey, there it is. oh there we
1: go <laughs> um, so uh, I had a cousin who. I was as close as you can get without being siblings, like truly. Um, I called him my brother. Um, I grew up with him. My aunt had a daycare actually, and I grew up going to that daycare. So I was with my cousin every single day. Um, That was my best friend. Um, And on October uh, 8th, 2021, he uh, died by suicide. Um, and I don't, I don't think there's a greater loss, like, I, my heart, like, aches every day, um, and you have so many whys, you know, um, but, yeah, his name was Zach, and he was the most beautiful human being, like, smiled like no other, gave hugs like no other, um, Um, Most
2: of you know about mine as well. In 2021 was a really rough year. (laughs) We're kind of like the grief squad of Faith Church. It was like all in two months. (laughs) It was all within two months because um, in 2021, uh, I lost my dad in August. And um, my mom and dad both got sick with COVID. Um, I was away camping. I had been sending them grocery orders and doing all the things but keeping my distance. And then that Sunday, we were supposed to come home later in the afternoon and I got the call that I never, ever wanted to get. Um, <coughs> my mom couldn't go to the hospital because she was also sick. And so I was the one that um, tried to chase him and be there and see you know, what was going on and everything like that, like the liaison, I guess, between what was really happening and her and my sister. And um, so he uh, didn't make it. He was in the hospital for eight days. It's a little fuzzy at the moment. but. Um, and yeah, it's been an interesting journey, um, but I'm thankful for these two, because we do grief checks with each other, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, that's something good that's come out of it, but um, but yeah, so it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, uh, that was kind of one of the hidden blessings, if there are blessings within grief, uh, was that Uh, Ashley's dad passed first, and then my dad, and then Morgan's cousin, and with, like she said, within two months of each other, and so we, we, like, quickly just bonded over our grief, and we owned it, and we didn't let phantom hope or anything else kind of get in the way. We were just like, hey, we're in this together, like, let's, let's all start, yeah, doing these grief check-ins, and so, yeah, that was a, a gift within the the curse, I guess you could say, of death um, for all of us, but um, what what has God taught you through your grief?
2: Is this the part where I'm supposed to share the scripture verse?
0: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I
2: didn't want to bring notes because I'm like, it's so in me. I just wanted it to come out, but then there is a little bit of structure that I can't remember. Um, So the whole point that God has, um, not not the one point, but God has shown me that it's okay, that it's it's part of who we are. He created emotion, um, and Jesus exhibits grief many times in the Bible. There's two instances um, that I want to talk about. And the first one, he has a cousin, John. Uh, we, If you've been in the church long, you know of John the Baptist. He came before Jesus and paved the way and started telling of one who would come after him. And um, John the Baptist, his cousin, was beheaded. There was a king or a king's wife that didn't like him wanted his head on a platter, and that was a reward for her. It's a really twisted story. You should read it. It's in Matthew 14 um, to get the full story of it. But the part that I want to focus on is how Jesus reacts because the reaction is really, um, it's really key, and it, it brings me comfort. Um, so in Matthew 14, uh, verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Um, his first reaction was to run away. And then hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot, and he ended up having compassion on the crowds and healing their sick and carrying out the mission that God had for him. But his first reaction was that he withdrew. And that's not a bad thing. He knew he needed to get to his father. He knew he needed to have a minute. And for some of us, like me, my minute is like a month or longer, like there's no timeline on it. I'm not Jesus with perfect everything that can just drop it all and do the things. Although there's a part of that too when you have hope in Jesus, because I did keep serving. We've all kept at our jobs, kept loving on people, and it's by his grace, because he gives us the grace to do so. But his first reaction was to withdraw and to go and be alone with his father who would love him, because his father's love is unconditional for him and for all of us. Um, the second one is um, with Lazarus, with his sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus had friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're all siblings. And Lazarus passed away. And so Jesus comes to them. And when he saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit, and he was troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. It's that shortest verse of the Bible that people remember, but it's so poignant for me, because he knew that he was going to perform a miracle. Lazarus is the man that he raised him from the dead, and it proved, and that's what Evan was starting to say, too. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Like, the love moved Jesus. It was still something that happened. Like, it's just so moving to see that great love for his friend, and that's how he feels about all of us. And so just to, like, sit in that and to know that it's okay to grieve, There's no rule book or handbook. Um, Jesus withdrew so that he could grieve on his own with his father. It's just beautiful.
0: That's good. What about you? What has God taught you through your grief?
1: Um, That really what grief is, is love. Um, When it comes down to it, like, that's what it is. Um, In Matthew 5, you know, Jesus uh, leads his disciples to the mountain, and he um, he starts describing what I call love. We call them beatitudes. But, and um, Jesus explains God's love for them. Um, and he says, blessed to those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And what has really helped me in my grief in that is knowing that I was so blessed to love that person so much that it hurts this bad. That my love was that connected to them, that there is a gaping hole in my heart every single day, um, and it doesn't make it easier. I'm not saying that to say, you're blessed, so that's it. <laughs> you know, like what I'm saying is that like what an honor it is to grieve, because in reality, what an honor it is to love, right? That's that's what that is. Um, And I also think that like just the words, um, they will be comforted, right? Like grief is supposed to turn your world upside down. That's what it does and it's okay to sit in it. I think oftentimes like if I were having a bad week and it was just still going, I would judge myself for like, are you serious? You're still not done, you know? Um, When in reality, like, it's supposed to, and that's okay. And there's nothing wrong with being sad for a week or nothing wrong with having a hard week, you know? Like, it's just because you loved.
0: So. Or a hard few years. Yeah, no, literally. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, what are some common misconceptions or stereotypes about grief you've encountered, and how can we address them as a church?
1: Um, For me... Uh, my great, my grief is kind of isolated in itself because it's a different kind of grief, right? Um, and it adds like a comp- a different complex level, right? I I don't have the answers to my whys, um, and I think that is one of the hardest things about this grief um, is that I don't have an explanation. I there's no like closure or like sense in my head that it makes, right? Like, I saw him a week before he died, the exact week before he died. Like, it makes no sense. Um, I asked him 10 times if he was okay. I even texted him, you know? And so I think the common misconception is that like, grief is not the same. Like, no grief is the same. There are no like, Yes, we, we sit in the, like, this sucks together, but you can't compare your grief to another person because everyone has different levels of relationships with someone, right? So, like, I know for a couple, like, for me, I felt like people were like, it was your cousin, <laughs> you know, like, but that, that was my brother, you know, and the level of our relationship was far greater than anything else to me. It's good. I think people think that you're just going to get over it or you're going to
2: move on like those words move on Oh, <laughs> you don't ever move on and you should never try to push anybody to try to move on um, it's moving forward with my therapist helped me with that one like you don't ever move on because it's, that love is still there gosh I was doing so good <laughs> <laughs> um but you move forward with this new normal. Sorry. Why am I sorry? That's not, I'm not sorry. I feel it right now, and that's okay. It's been two years, and I still have to tell myself that. Everything is different. Everything. And then this summer we had a house fire. And it's like the first big catastrophe. And my dad would be there with us. He would be there sledgehammer in hand. (laughs) His little tool bucket. He was so proud of this five-gallon bucket that he had. (laughs) It had everything he needed for almost any job. And he was like, look at this. I'm like, yeah, it's great, Dad. (laughs) But he would be there. And he's not. So you don't move on, you move forward with, you move forward knowing that things are different, but different isn't always bad either. There's been amazing things, amazing things that come from it. Um, and one other thing, I was reading a book with the girls, it's called An Umbrella Summer, and it's about this 10-year-old girl who lost her brother? Um, he had a heart condition that they didn't know, and he was playing hockey, and he died suddenly. And um, and so she—it's like this ten-year-old perspective of what grief is without her brother. And she's going through um, going through things, and she was going to the grocery store, and in her little monologue, she's like, "I don't like going to this grocery store because every time I walk in, the cashier gives me the dead debt, or the dead brother face, and it's like that. How are you?" you know, and we mean well when we do it. Like, we try to comfort people, but if you, I, most of us probably have been on the pity side of life at some point. It's never fun, (laughs) and it's like, sometimes it closes off communication, and so her words, the dead brother face, like, that was so freeing for me. It's the dead dad face, and so (laughs) I've told Evan, like, This is just, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't keep talking right now. Um, But, like, I'll run into someone that I haven't seen since the funeral or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, they gave me the dead dad face. I'm so over the dead dad face. Like, let's move forward, please. But just so, and I have to remind myself of that. Because we feel bad for the person, you know, and we want to comfort them. Um, and I don't want us to all walk on eggshells either. Like, we should just be free to love the person and to be there. But anyway, yeah.
0: No, that's good. And it's good for the person going through the grief to also recognize that people are trying to help. Right. E- even if it's not ultimately helpful, like, recognize, oh, they're not trying to hurt me. You know what I mean? Like, they just don't know how to help in that situation. And a lot of times we wouldn't either. And the whole moving on part, like, I might be alone in this, but I doubt it. It's like I don't want to move on. Like like I don't want my grief in a sense to go away because I want to keep on remembering my dad. I remember that the, it was a Tuesday that I got the call that we were going to have to pull his plug. And uh, I was at work here on that day, and uh, I was sitting in the prayer room right across the hallway here in this chair that I always sit in. And the whole meeting that I was in there for, I just was staring out the window to the blue sky, kind of poking through these trees outside that window. And that memory is so vivid to me that I love sitting in that spot, working now every day that I can in that room. And I love just glancing out that window because it brings me back to a difficult spot. But it, it's like also like I want that feeling too. I don't want to forget my dad, but I, I have that that picture of looking out the window is so vivid in my memory that I can tell you how much those trees have grown because <laughs> it's covering up more of the blue sky <laughs> through that window. So it's just kind of fun that it does that. But okay, uh, let's move on to another question. Uh, uh, grief can be a complex and ongoing journey. How has your understanding of grief evolved over time? And, and what advice do you have to someone who might be, you know, fresh into grief right now?
2: Um, I think like Morgan touched on, we can't really compare our grief. Um, and so even if I feel like I'm further ahead, if that's even a thing, it's not even like a thing, you know, like I've embraced more freedom. I don't know. Like there are like we do compare ourselves. Um But, like, we shouldn't put a timeline on it. I don't remember the actual question you just asked, but this is what's on my mind right now.
0: How has your understanding of grief evolved?
2: Yes. Next time I'll bring notes so I can look at the question again. (laughs) Um, It's just an ongoing process, it's just an ongoing thing. There's no stages, there's no right or wrong. Um, There are things that will bring more freedom. Uh, you know, in life, we have so many options. I just heard someone say this. Um, There's so many options on how to cope, how to deal with things. Um, And Jesus might be on the list of options, but, I mean, Jesus' Jesus' example is to get away with his father. Like, going to the father should always be the top, should always be the top. I can listen to people, encourage me. I can um, watch movies and tune things out, and I can stay busy or I can do whatever but the only true healing that I have found and I believe the only true healing we will all find is when we sit with the father and it looks different it might be with a friend where we can just sit sometimes we don't even talk we just sit in the room together um, but like he is the first option
0: what about you how has your grief evolved since kind of stepping into that
1: um, I think we've all heard about the stages of grief right um, I roll my eyes because um, it's set I feel like it's made to make you feel bad and I don't think that was the purpose right like the purpose was to help you navigate but if I'm at anger, I need to go to the next one but if I'm going back to anger, am I doing it wrong like you know what I'm saying and And so the biggest, like, what's evolved for me is that grief is not linear, you know? It doesn't have a pattern. It doesn't have a correct uh, timeline. Like, it is what you feel, and I think that, like, like I said, I understand the, like, reason why someone came up with, you know, the stages. It's to help you, but in some ways, it's unhelped (laughs) me. I always say that, um, as long as I'm like keeping others safe and keeping myself safe, that there is no wrong way to grieve. As long as I'm not hurting myself, hurting others, like I have the space to grieve how I need to grieve. Um, and so I think it's been like quite the journey to just watch myself be comfortable in grief, right? Like I love hiding my emotions. Love it. Um, And like Nate talked about masking last week and I was like looking away because how dare you talk about me like that. Um, But then like it's, I've just watched myself become okay with emotions and become okay with just not being okay. Like I, we see that phrase everywhere. Like it's okay to not be okay. And it's like my favorite phrase of all time. I wish I could paint it all over my bedroom, like <laughs> literally because it just, yeah, it it really nails it that like you have the option to be upset and that's okay, you know? Um, yeah, and I just think like it's created an open mind for me too, um, like towards others and towards myself, like. I feel like I'm a way kinder person because of this grief, um, and like even kinder to myself than I've ever been. I still got a lot of work to do, but um, I think that like the love that I have, like that I receive from Jesus, is now being reflected, and I think I finally understand that for like the first time in my life.
0: So. No, you had your turn. Yeah. To um. add to the,
1: no, to add to that with the, it's okay to
2: not be okay. It's also okay to be okay. Right. Like that just came to me because like, we feel like we have to be so sad, but then when the joy comes, we're like afraid to embrace it because, and I just, that just like popped into my head as you were talking and I was like, but it's okay to embrace joy. It's beautiful to embrace the joy as it comes. It doesn't mean that you're not still grieving. or You're not still sad. It doesn't change the, you know, the bottom line if there was one, but like. To embrace, like give yourself permission to embrace the good, yeah.
0: That's good. I know for me, I uh, hated doing funerals, <laughs> just straight up. Like as a as a pastor, they were the hardest thing for me to be like, yeah, I'll do this next one. Um, and now it, it sounds weird, but I love doing funerals. Like there, there's something special now that I had to go through it myself with my dad and stuff there, like – not like I'm looking forward to doing the next funeral, whoever it might be, but like it's just like, man, I, I'm way more open and willing and even wanting to, to enter that with those families who, who kind of need that um, in whatever stage of life that they're going through. Um, but yeah, uh, are there any rituals, ceremonies, or practices that you've found to be especially meaningful in honoring your loved one?
1: For me like, literally the second he died, my first fear was that I was going to forget what he looked like. And I was going to forget, like, what it felt to hug him, what he smelled like, like, all those, like, little things that you kind of think are gross, but, like, after you lose somebody, it's, like, the most important thing, you know? Um, and I was so scared to have him be, like, a blur in my head. Um, And so I made an entire photo album on my phone of every picture of him ever, like, (laughs) any that my aunt posted, any that I have, like, um, and on my especially hard weeks, like, I scroll through those, and as hard as it is to, like, look at it, like, it brings me peace, it's like, Jesus is reconnecting me with him again, you know, and, like, what a gift pictures and technology are for that reason, like, I, I reconnect with him, and, like, I watch the videos of us, like, dying laughing over one noise, you know, <laughs> like, that should not have been funny to anybody else, but, um, and so, like, for me, it's looking through them, like, with my family, or even by myself, and then literally just praying afterwards, like, I literally have prayed that I can remember him, like, more times than I can count, like, Um, and that also goes with the, like, not wanting to stop grieving or move on. You know, like, I never want to forget who he was in my life or what he did for those around him. Um, so, yeah, I look at pictures and then I just pray peace over myself and my family. Um, because trauma bond, (laughs) you know, but yeah.
2: I don't really... I don't really know if I have, like, a thing. Aside from, like, I have a couple of his jackets, and I like to wear them. And it's really sweet, because Evan, every time he sees it, he's like, nice jacket. I'm like, thanks. You know? But it's just, like, the little things. Like, I just, I don't know. It's okay to do whatever you want to, like, keep whatever you want to keep. Or, um, yeah, there's freedom. There's freedom. Like, we don't have to determine what's acceptable and not for people, you know? I don't know. Uh, Worshiping, uh, worship music, and spending time in like quiet place with the Lord has been really soothing for me as well. Um, As you know, uh, I love worship, and so (laughs) um, I actually, I'm getting licensed to be a pastor, and in one of my evaluations, it took, it looks at your interest, and I'm 99% music He's like, you can't be 100 at anything, so you're as close as you can get. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I had no idea. I mean, I sort of, but wow. <laughs> to see the number, 99%. Um, but, like, music transcends time and emotion and culture and all of it, and it's just so, it's so soothing to me. So I guess spending time, like, extra time, even just alone, I'll kneel on the floor. I'll sit in my car in the garage um, before going into the house for a minute, like, If you just need time to breathe, like he's always waiting with open arms. The Lord just wants to embrace us more and more. Um, he delights in that. So
0: that's good. Um, I have my dad's wedding ring on my keychain, So that's really special to me that I got to keep that out of all my siblings. Um, and then I always make sure like when I have a thought about my dad, whether it's like a joyful one or a real sorrowful, sorrowful one, um, I immediately thank God because that that thought, I never want to go away, whether it's a good one or a heartbreaking one. I just immediately say, thank you, God. Like, I will always be grateful for every thought that I get to have of my loved one. Um, Last question. Very last question. Uh, Can you share an inspiring story or message of hope that has emerged through your grief journey? Whoever wants to.
1: I have a couple, so I can go first while you think. that work? Okay. Um, Well, first, um, my family is stronger and closer than we have ever been. Yesterday, um, I actually hung out with my aunt all day to partially prepare for today, um, and it was hard, (laughs) Um, but, like we laughed and we cried and we yelled together like in the car with the windows down (laughs) like I don't know it's just we get each other on a whole different level and because we we all have different losses right like we all had different relationships with Zach and different connections with him but we all have the same outcome and so being together in that has been like very like rewarding for us like my aunt even used that word yesterday um and then I have made like a lifelong friend out of this who she lost her dad um, like six months after I lost um, my cousin and that girl is like, we sit and we'll talk for four hours just about life sucking sometimes, (laughs) you know? Um, But it's given me a bigger like heart and compassion for others. Um, and like not being afraid to sit in emotions with others, you know? And I think that's what, like, as sad as the reasoning to have to become a more compassionate person, like, I thank God every day that I'm able to be with people on a different level, you know? Um, and so, yeah.
2: I guess, again, it comes
1: down to freedom for
2: me, um, we see people that get their miracle, and we see ourselves that don't sometimes. Or we, like we compare, the comparison game, we um, we look at all these things, but there are like such thoughts for us are too lofty, right? Like the Lord has so many thoughts for us, and so he sees the big picture, and there's so many factors, and I don't believe for a second that God causes bad things. He gave free will back in the garden, and things have consequences and he's just he's so faithful and he's so good and um, and the longer you look for him the more you find him and the deeper the connection will be and so like that's why I guess that's one thing but possibly like a ceremony type thing too I look for spottings of the Lord like I look for like wow he's amazing like my mom um, we're gonna share more about it but she recently had a miraculous healing. And her darkness was dark, guys, after losing my dad. It was awful. So for a long time, I made myself think that it was up to me. that it was up to me to be the light for her. That I had to convince her that God's not left her. And that is a lie from the enemy, that it was up to me. Because it wasn't, he never stopped pursuing her. All the friends and family around her, like it was such a picture of his unconditional love. And I counted it an honor to always try to shine the light and to be that with her. And we've had opportunities together that we never would have had because my parents were inseparable on an annoying level. (laughs) Like, hey, do you want to go see a movie? Oh, I don't want to leave your dad home alone. Oh, my word. (laughs) But now we've had so many amazing opportunities and again, I'm not happy he's gone, but it's some of the good that's come out of it. So I guess the inspiring message is just seeing his faithfulness. She claimed it for herself, and we saw what happened. Like, his his mercy and grace and healing poured out all over her. And he was waiting. He never gave up. He never turned his face against her or rejected her. Um, The pressure was gone from me to try to convince her of anything. Um, He was always there. Always, always, always there. And he is for each one of us. We just have to look for him. Uh, There's a song that Morgan and I are going to attempt to sing this morning. It was a great idea until we got to this point. Um, But it's called Gratitude, and it's by Brandon Lake. And I just worship has been so healing for me just spending time not thinking about it's on that if you want the words to um not thinking about all the things and looking to my heavenly father for everything that I need um so this song is uh the cor- the words in the chorus say so I throw up my hands So the words in the chorus say, so, so to, you're much taller than I am, that's okay. Um, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, because all that I have is a hallelujah. I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then there's like this energy piece in the bridge that says, so come on my solo, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. I feel like this, um, maybe I'm speaking for Morgan, but I feel like this like depicts our journey. Like all my words fall short, I've got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? And it sounds weird to have gratitude when you've lost someone, but there's so much gratitude for so much because he is so much. And he has so much more.